0: Hey, you like coffee? Yeah, me too. You should go buy some. Go to lionsofliberty.com forward slash coffee. And uh, if you don't like coffee, why don't you go to patreon.com forward slash liberty and pick from any number of lovely options to support this podcast. And hey, if nothing else, tell a friend. Maybe throw a review up on iTunes. Maybe share it to your social profiles. You know, any of those things are good, guys. There's a lot of ways to support this show, and uh, I mean, if none of those work for you, just come on, give me some physical support, hold me up from behind, support these bosoms. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land, here on the Lions of Liberty podcast. Your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. Hey, everybody, welcome to Electric Liberty Land, episode number 136, meaning you can find all of the many, many show notes over at lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL 136. Ah, God, I tell you, I'm really getting sick of talking about mass shootings. Now, to be clear, that does not mean that they are happening more frequently because factually they are not. That has been proven time and time again by virtually every metric that exists. That these are not happening more frequently than they ever did. However, they are getting covered more prominently, and the instances of these mass shootings are occurring in similar fashions. And uh, I'll get into that in a little bit. First things first, though. You know, it's like I said. I'm just I'm sick, sick to hell of, of talking about it because. You know, you can only talk about something so many times. You can only repeat the same talking points so many times before it just becomes a little bit aggravating. And it's aggravating that it keeps happening. That much is obvious. Now, in past episodes, if you guys are newer listeners to the show, I've given my theory on why this happens. And I will, in fact, be elaborating a bit on that on this show. So don't worry, I'll get to that. And apologies, I'm not my usual... Rivalous self, because again, it's just depressing news. I've had a depressing day, so we'll be a little bit somber at the beginning, but I do promise it'll pick up a little bit as we get into the show, because there is some funny stuff to talk about, at least, and some things that we can have a good laugh at, despite what might be going on in the world around us. So, anyway, these shootings, uh, so if you guys have lived in a cave, I don't want to, uh, (coughs) pardon me, I don't want to rehash this too much. Two mass shootings happened within, I think, it was like 40 hours of each other. One in El Paso, Texas. Uh, a guy shot up a Walmart, killing, I think, 20-plus victims. Another guy in Dayton shot up a popular nighttime area, killing at last, I looked, something like 8 to 10 people, including his sister. And, you know, both guys, one guy used an AK-style pistol, they said, which was the first time one of those has been used. One guy used a, quote-unquote, long gun not sure exactly the type of rifle he used, that had high-capacity magazines in it. Now, of course, people are latching on to those things as if this somehow would warrant banning any of those guns from public consumption. And really what we're seeing in any of these reports is, number one, we're seeing a lot of people throw blame around, right? And this is the media, this is every pundit out there, this is all the scumbag politicians out there, that'll circle back to with their various proposals and just honestly the most despicable politicking that you'll ever see. You know, of course, this has to happen right in the the middle of the debate. So whether intentional or not, whether or not these shooters decide to do it to make this point as the debates are going on, because, I don't know, you know, there's not a lot of talk about gun control in the, uh, at least in the last debate that I saw, pretty much zero in regards to uh, the second Democratic debate. And you could hear the recap to that. If you go back, we released that on last Thursday's uh, bonus feed for you guys. But, of course, everybody's talking about this rhetoric of white nationalists and white nationalism, and both shooters were white. Apparently, there was another shooter who was actually black that got stopped by the FBI. <laughs> Conspiracy theory in me, makes me makes me wonder if they only stopped the black ones because they want to make sure that the white nationalist theory gets pushed forward that only white people with guns, as I can't remember who said that exact phrase, but that white people with guns. Oh, Rayanne Wilson of The Office, I think that was who tweeted it out. White men with guns are the biggest threat to the country. But the media wants to run with this narrative that white nationalists are the ones that are consistently going out there and killing everybody. And only one of the two gunmen in this situation actually coincide with that theory because the one shooter and I'm not going to mention either of their names by the way they can just I'm gonna try not to curse in case people want to share this podcast just if you're wondering about that but uh, this mf'er uh, or MFers do not need to have their names spoken uh, so I will not do so I'll just say the El Paso shooter he would correspond to what you might call a white nationalist in that he went out specifically uh, had a manifesto which I read and he specifically cited the fact that he wanted to go out to an area he wanted to kill Mexicans and that he viewed a uh, as a rising issue in America than one which he thought patriots and this I mean this guy really is a white nationalist but he thought that that patriots had to respond to to fight back this rising tide of Mexicans uh via immigration and he specifically cited Texas as Here's an issue which we have to fight back on because if the Democrats get Texas via this immigration and via uh, these all these people moving to Texas and Texas turns blue, there goes the union. You know, there goes everything. It's all lost. The United States, the Republic, it's gone because now they will have enough votes to control everything and you know yada yada down the down the rabbit hole. Now, I'm not going to shy away from the fact that on that point I do agree with him, I'm not saying. Anything like, oh, well, there's too many Mexicans in this country. You know, I'm not saying that. Um, But it is a salient point in that through immigration and through people migrating to Texas from meccas of liberal thought like Los Angeles, like Seattle, like Portland, like New York, all these places that have priced all the liberals out of living there through policies, of course, voted on by liberals. They have been turning Texas blue. And it is such a massive state with such a massive amount of power that should Texas turn blue, it would really put the uh, the balance of power quite in favor of the left. And I agree that it's a huge problem. Now, I do not agree that you should go up and shoot a frickin' Walmart up. I don't think that you should go out and murder innocent people who are, you know, despite the fact that you might blame them for uh, certain political stances, that you might not enjoy their political viewpoints from where they come from because a lot of people from Latin American countries uh, and South American countries do embrace a more socialist worldview. You might not appreciate that you think that they are taking away from uh, the average American taxpayer. Does not mean you get to kill them. Plain and simple. Doesn't mean you get to kill them. You know, you'd think that would be obvious, but this man views it as an assault on his country. So he went out and... Killed a bunch of people. So in that regard, the media might have a point there. Now, where would you say, okay, well, they're saying that this is all Trump's fault, naturally. (laughs) And they're tweeting out things saying that Trump is an avowed racist and that he has been, uh, actually, I'll pull up some specific quotes because these are just really some dynamite, dynamite quotes that these people are throwing out here. Here's one from Beto O'Rourke, who has been just the most despicable in regards to trying to make himself a political firebrand after these tragic events. Quote, he's an ev- open, avowed racist and is encouraging more racism in this country. P- booty gag or uh, Pete Booty Jesus or however you want to pronounce it. Pete Booty Jesus. Quote, our president isn't just failing to confront and disarm these domestic terrorists. He is amplifying and condoning their hate. Bold. How about Bernie Sanders? He said Trump's language, quote, creates a climate which emboldens violent extremists. At least Bernie didn't go full bore insane. Trump is condoning and amplifying hate like Booty Judge or encouraging more racism like Bader O'Rourke. I just, you know, I I just, I'm sickened by this type of politicking around these events. It's purely despicable. It is purely for just and just talk about like the lowest blow cheap shot you can take while people are mourning, while a country is mourning, while people are wondering, OK, what's to be done? And I would say nothing's to be done personally, uh, of course. <laughs> and my superhero do nothing, man, who will not be tackling this issue in the next episode, which I am currently scripting out uh, right now, but seems like something I have to get around to. But of course, do nothing, man, would agree that uh, you should not do anything to combat this specifically. But when we talk about these, you know, freaking Pete here, Pete Buttigieg, he is amplifying and condoning their hate. Exactly in what way is the president condoning hatred? Is he condoning murder? Nothing that Trump is doing is going out there and saying, go kill people. Go murder innocents. Go kill Mexicans. Go kill leftists. Go None of that. None of it. And of course, this igni- ignores the other side. Because while this shooter in El Paso targeted Mexicans and has a manifesto which was published on 8chan, another topic I'm going to get to in just a few minutes, the other shooter in Dayton didn't publish a manifesto. But because we have some cracked sluice in the uh, the old news biz, they found out, and this has been confirmed. I even looked at Snopes, which of course Snopes, if you don't know, is a left-leaning, quote-unquote, fact-checking website. And even Snopes was forced to admit that, yes, the Dayton shooter was, in fact, a Satanist, Bernie Sanders, and Warren-supporting communist who really was pure blue in every possible way. Pure blue. He also is a huge fan of Antifa what a shock. But you don't hear the media talking about this man who's blue and really go through all the media coverage. You will hear nary a mention of the second shooter. You will hear nary a mention of who he supports politically, because that doesn't jive with the narrative that they want to push, which is that Trump is solely responsible for this. So let's take a step back though. We've had these two horrible incidents. We had the one in Gilroy earlier at a garlic festival. There's a shooting there where a guy cut through a fence and started shooting people up just randomly for no good reason. And we wonder or say, okay, why is this happening? This is where I'll reiterate my earlier thoughts. Because I have a theory of how this all kind of comes together. Technology, culture, an abdication of personal responsibility, an abdication of parenting responsibility, and also a general acceptance of violence and insanity throughout media and throughout culture in our current state. And only, let me remind you, only libertarianism stands up against it. Because the left doesn't, the right doesn't. They can say that, you know, they can blame each other. They can say these happy thoughts. Libertarians believe in the non-aggression principle. We are the only platform based upon not going out and killing people not going out and hurting people, not going out and stealing from people. So anyway, we look at a lot of these places, right? We, we see 8chan. Now, 8chan has already been booted off. You know, Cloudflare removed their security functions, so they had to switch off, had to go to a new server. They're already up and running. But you already see people calling to censor 8chan, to take it down. You see politicians blaming 8chan. You also see politicians in the GOP blaming video games. It's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Although I will say this, because I give this a little bit of thought. I will say that the one way I can see video games actually aiding mass shooters is that with the added realism of video games, with the interactive capabilities that you have, as far as the sophistication in tactics, in knowing where to shoot from with angles, with getting cover, with moving up, that type of thing, I actually could see being very useful, if I'm being perfectly honest. Now, that doesn't mean that we should ban these type of video games. That doesn't mean that because one psycho goes out. I mean, Jesus, I'm sure there was somebody that went out and there's a Pokemon killer out there or a Hello Kitty killer out there or even a freaking Farmville killer out there murdering people, planting corn in their bodies and then tapping on all their friends' shoulders to go out, take a look at them and give them a like so they can grow rutabagas. I'm sure they all exist. Doesn't mean they should be banned. One psycho does not mean a whole trend and a whole legal and uh, monastic change in society has to be pushed through where this thing is now taboo and cannot be touched nor looked at anymore. Get Fired up now. But I could see, getting back to my point, getting back to my, my video game point, I could see from a tactical standpoint, those being useful. Fine. And as far as websites like 8chan that host people and host content like this, we're talking about a minuscule sector of a website hosting millions of threads and images. To say that this is a den of white supremacism, of, of white nationalism, of hate, of planning for, to take out these things is ridiculous. Ridiculous. It's like if you walk down the street every day, if you walk past a million people, I guarantee one of those million people is going to say something absolutely fat s crazy. Doesn't mean that everybody on the street shouldn't be allowed to walk down the street. Doesn't mean there's not people having fantastic creative thoughts, making beautiful new things on that same street. And 8chan, while being a darker and less, less, uh, I don't know, not even law-abiding, a less uh, cordial, less structured environment than 4chan, because I've been on 4chan, visited 4chan, a lot of funny stuff a lot of really really funny stuff comes out of 4chan all the memes you know and love were born on 4chan before they were stolen by instagram influencers without credit but those sites should not be banned simply because they provide a platform what is happening though with these websites with the influence of social media is that you've got people that are already and and this is pretty much unanimous throughout these these killers who happen to be white. I don't think that this is a white issue. I think that it happens to be white because these people just happen to have um, probably been ostracized, I personally feel, by a lot of the culture around them. They are now growing up in an environment because they're told that white are evil, that white is bad. They're told that they no longer belong even in the majority of society, right? Right? And we're talking about people that often do not have it all there mentally. A lot of them are on psychotropic drugs, which also is a thing that the mainstream media does not ever report on. They're too interested in reporting on skin color, too interested in reporting on what type of gun it is, too interested in trying to find somebody to blame politically to further their own ideals to look at the base core of this, which is what I'm trying to get to. So you have kids, and these are all, no, not all. I'd say the majority are still children people that I would consider kids because to be honest, I know a lot of you out there are are over 18 and under 25, but I still consider you kids. You know, I'll be 40 this year and I can tell you for a fact, you don't know what the hell you're doing. You don't know what the world around you is. You don't even know what you believe until at least 25. So these people, a lot of them are still in high school. A lot of them are just out, you know, young 20s or young 20s. They're on drugs because they have some sort of trauma in their life. And the vast majority of research into this also proves that a lot of these people are coming off of either a fresh trauma where they just had something tragic happen in their life. They just lost somebody. They just lost a job. They just had something, some big event happen that triggers them. Not in the triggered sense that the left uses triggered, in an actual sense, wherein a psychological break occurs. Not that somebody is sensitive reading about grapes because one time a boy made out with a chick and tried to put a grape up her ass. So you have kids that are trauma-induced, right? You have them on psychotropic drugs, sometimes dealing with deeper medical or deeper psychological issues. So they're trying to even them out by over-prescribing drugs. And then you have a situation where they're already awkward. They're already a little strange. Now they're ostracized in the schools. They're ostracized from their environments they're in. They're ostracized even from their friends. Because we're emphasizing, or emph- <laughs> emphasizing, we're emphasizing nowadays social interaction online. Everybody spends their entire times on their phone. Even when you have with my fricking friends, we'll be hanging out. We're on our phones. Go with my wife. We're on our phones. I have to say, oh, right, let's put the phones down. You know, make an effort to actually engage, look at each other in the eyes. Let's talk. And the same thing when I go out, with my friends have to. We have to emphasize that. Put your phones down. Let's talk. Let's be present. Even kids that are well adjusted now spend something like eight hours a day staring at their friends' phones. Liking shit online. Oh, I dropped an S-bomb. Well, what are you going to do? Liking stuff online. Making sure to compete against each other for likes. Figuring out who's the better one. Who's got a better life. Who's got a better dog. Who's got a better family. Who's got a better boyfriend. It's all completely ostracizing. And if you are not in the click, just think about how isolated you become. Because not only do you not have friends in real life, because even these kids, you know, back in the day, If you weren't the most popular kid, you probably still had a few different friends. You know, like Stranger Things or The Goonies, you probably had a little gaggle of, of weirdos to hang out with. I had a gaggle of weirdos, guys. So you had your gaggle. So you had camaraderie, despite the fact that you might not have fit in in the broader spectrum, you still had something. You still had your group of friends that you could talk to that would support you, that would talk you out of doing things like shooting people. That no longer is, is really prominent. Now what happens is that when people get ostracized, they simply go into their own shelves because that's what we're programmed to do now. You go into your shell, you look at your phone when you're feeling awkward, you don't make any effort to be out in public. Now you have these online communities, so you look inward. You find something online, you find a population of people that, that you can talk to. Maybe you go down the wrong path. You'd think your friends would be able to talk you out of that, but you don't have any. Not only that, as I said earlier, though, but you now you're you're alone, you're ostracized, you don't have friends, you're not welcome in your community, you're not welcome in your friends, you're not welcome in your high school, you're not even welcome online, really, because you don't have interests that are shared with the broader community, like say sports, like dance, like music. Maybe you're like, maybe you're just like I don't know, Magic the Gathering. But not only that, on top of that, now culture and community as a whole is telling you that because you are a white male, that you are to be despised that you have privilege and you're a person who's grown up your entire life having no privilege, being bullied, being yelled at, being told you're a spaz and a weirdo and a jerk and a nerd and no woman wants you. And now you've got everybody telling you, well, you know what? Your white privilege makes you even worse off than you thought. It makes you even less of a person that anybody wants to hang with. You're now persona non grata. In a culture that you thought, if nothing else, you could go out, you could get out of your high school, maybe you could go out abroad, maybe you could do something else. No, not anymore. You're hated. You are to be despised. So, is it surprising when we see these people turn against, let's say, minority groups, or let's just say the world at large, or they have a uh, maybe they they're more aligned with white nationalists than they would be with leftist causes? Now, again. We saw that this last shooter was a lefty statist. He was a Satanist statist who wanted, you know, socialism and communism and Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren to to rule the roost. He might have just been a psychopath because, you know what, there's psychopaths out there. But a lot of these other kids may not fall into one camp or other. But the one thing they are going to have in common is that they are alone. And their goddamn parents have abdicated responsibility. They're not taking interest in their kids' lives because they're on their phones. They're obsessed with what their lives are all about, especially this latest generation. And you know what? They're lazy. They don't want to take the time to talk. They don't want to think that there's anything wrong with their kid. They need to live in a little dream world of their own creation wherein they have a perfect life, a perfect child, perfect everything going on. They don't want to interact. They don't want to see any crack in that armor. So they simply ignore the problem until it ends up shooting a bunch of people. And now what we're seeing on top of all this is that this isn't just restricted now to these little, you know, isolated kids that are on SSRIs, which is what the the psychotropic drugs are referred to as. We're seeing it now spread to all of culture. And this is where the big problems are coming in. And this is where our little friend, our Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren friend comes in. Because we're seeing violence spread out everywhere throughout the culture. Look at now, the media is obsessed with these mass shooters, right? Because you go out, you have this gun, you go and you shoot 20 people. Okay, fine. But on the other hand, you look at Antifa going out, violently beating people in the streets, shutting down city intersections for hours on end, flipping over cars, starting fires, pepper spraying people. Antifa, they don't have guns. But are you going to tell me that if they didn't, they wouldn't take similar action? And you see the response on the other side with the Proud Boys or Patriot Prayer, not to say that they're necessarily starting things, but they're more than happy to take part in violence. So we're now entering the situation where violence is spreading like it's some sort of I mean, literally, it's kind of like out of that, uh, what was that movie, Uh, three days later or 28 days later? You're seeing this madness spread from person to person, and it's getting just vibrated to the point where it's kind of like the bridge in San Francisco where you hit that peak of vibration and the whole thing falls down. We're getting close to that point because of the media, because of politics, because of the way people are interacting, because of social media, amplifying all of these stupid concepts where people can buy into whatever lie they want to believe, whatever worldview they want to subscribe to, it's automatically buoyed up. Buoyed? Buoyed up. (laughs) Not buoyed. God rest your soul, David Bowie. You're one of the good ones. It's buoyed up to the point where it's just eye level. You know, wherever you look, the tide is right there. Agreeing with you. That the people on the right have to be killed or the people on the left have to be killed or the immigrants have to be killed. Whatever your worldview, there's going to be something there to support that, which is why we have this psychosis of violence spreading throughout every aspect of culture. When you're talking about going around and punching Nazis and how it doesn't matter, you know, all these people on the right should die, you're no better than these shooters. You just haven't gotten there yet. And nobody's talking about that, though, right? No, let's focus on a couple of white nationals. (sniffs) I mean, I like this, though. You know, Neil deGrasse Tyson, huge lefty. He posted a tweet, which I appreciated. I liked it. Saying this, in the past 48 hours, the USA horrifically lost 34 people to mass shootings. On average, across any 48 hours, we also lose 500 to medical errors. 300 to the flu, 250 to suicide, 200 to car accidents, 40 to homicide via handgun. Often our emotions respond more to spectacle than to data. So while the media wants to focus on the mass shootings, Neil Degrassi-Tyson points out that these mass shootings are simply not a real problem. They are terrifying because our minds build them into something. Meanwhile, we're far more likely to be attacked by a shark in the water. Or hit by lightning or die in a car accident or die in a plane crash. Any of these things are far more likely. But the media is fixated on that one non-issue. And in the meantime, using that as a flame to set a wildfire that is going to cause everything else to get worse. It's going to cause all of the other violence to get worse because all you're doing is inciting more rage, more violence within people's minds that is going to play against each other. That's going to be amplified on social media and that's not going to get resolved in any sort of meaningful, honest, honest conversation. I actually can't even go on social media. Not that I enjoy going on social media that often anyway, except to tweet, tweet about the Democratic debates and engage with our Lions Pride group. But I don't even go on social media after these things happen because it's just, it's a simple cesspool of emotion with no regard to logic, with no regard to facts, with no regard to any consideration for any other opinion other than one's own. And wanting to get attention for that opinion, wanting to get kudos for that often stupid opinion. So I just avoid it. And I'm tempted, you know, now and then I saw, saw a friend of mine, the up comic. He's also a radio DJ here in LA guy that I really like, I like hanging out with him, but you know, he's going off about how Trump somehow is to blame for this because he sent out a things, you know, some email about supporting the border. I mean, just as, the logic leaps. It was like six degrees to Kevin bullshit. The logic leaps involved with these people. And I wanted to get involved. I said, you know, it's not worth my time because right now, nothing I will say will get through. Number one, period. And all I'll be doing is getting someone riled up and they'll call me uh, somebody that said a apologizer for for white supremacists or they'll call me uh, somebody that wants to murder immigrants. Which, by the way, I've been called, you know, back in the Nazi days for arguing, for daring to argue with somebody that Trump wasn't actually a racist, an avowed racist, as Beta Rourke would say. uh, Called a Nazi, of course, myself. Naturally, because that's what the left does. Never mind that rhetoric, guys, right? Calling somebody a Nazi, thus dehumanizing them and basically making them somebody that deserves to die, right? Because that's in, in the common American lexicon. Nazis are people that you can easily murder and kill. I mean, they're the target of so many of our movies and our video games. It's like the one people now, even Muslims. You can't put like a Muslim terrorist in a video game. <laughs> but you can still use Nazis. But uh, yeah, that kind of rhetoric, oh, that doesn't lead to to any of these problems we're having, right? But it just goes to show you, you know, it's like it, the facts are lost The logic is lost. The conversation is lost. And the only thing that we have left is simply incendiary fuel that's going to make things continue to get worse and worse. And you're going to see more violence because of it. Not necessarily mass shooting violence. Because, again, like I said, that's not actually, actually, that is not actually going up or on the rise. And, in fact, gun violence is on the decline overall since, I think, something like 2012. It's actually divided in half. But political violence, I think you're going to continue to see go up. I think you're going to continue to see people fighting in the streets over what should be basic rights like free speech. Uh, You're going to continue to see ramping up of rhetoric, calling people evil and dehumanizing them, just like we've seen occur again and again and again, which you know, if you, again, if you're trying to make it easier for people to kill a lot of folks and not feel bad about it or feel justified, that is the language you'd use. It's just, it's very frustrating. And, and of course, you know, now we've got people coming out and saying, oh, well, what's the solutions to this? Gotta have solutions. You got Jay Inslee coming out here and he's got a whole plan to combat white nationalism, which again, not a problem. I can see how a few select individuals might fall in that trap, but overall white nationalism is probably a few thousand of it, most in the country of 300 plus million. But Jay Inslee's got a plan. And of course, what would you guess that plan entails guys? Cause if you said massive government overreach, you win a prize. The, you win the Jay Inslee eel. It's slimy and slippery and blinks a lot in a bright light. So anyway, Jay Inslee has his plan. And basically it means that he wants to, Put more money, I know, very surprising solution, more money into all the DHS uh, functions to monitor domestic people here. So all your emails, you know, look at all your web surfing, your browser history. Make sure you're not going to any no-no sites. You can't go to any websites where uh, there might've been one guy the one time that shot up a place because then now ah, you're on an FBI watch list. So he wants to really double down on that. He wants to ban any 3D guns, any 3D printing opportunities, quote unquote, untraceable guns ghost guns he wants to get rid of that he wants to make sure that there's you know factions in place to really fight back against white nationalism because yeah we don't have enough of that going on right it's not like almost every single group watchdog organization is already on the lookout for white nationalism it's not like every media organization is not already on the lookout for white nationalism Let me give me a break what 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 else can you do what else are you gonna do there Jay and a bunch of other just idiotic, stupid proposals, which essentially mean you get less freedom. And in exchange for that, they still won't be able to stop anybody because all the background checks. And I want to talk about Trump's, Trump's uh, what I think he's going to do for an acquiescence to the left. But James, of course, wants to close the Charleston loop, make sure all the background checks. Great. You know, these shooters, neither of them would have been stopped by any background checks. Nor would they even stop by red flag laws. Because that's what, you know, again, Beto will work. Well, actually, I'll, I'll wait to talk about Beto's because his plan's the worst of all. Well, I couldn't say plan. His, he said he would not be opposed to something, which is the worst idea of all. But Jay Inslee, you know, okay, let's let's do this red flags. Let's make it so anybody that, uh, that's ever had an incident, a domestic incident, can't own a gun, right? And, and God knows a domestic incident, if you don't know, I mean, there are millions upon millions of people who had a domestic incident wherein cops are called to someone's home because of a report of violence, or maybe it's just a loud argument, uh, you know, any number of things. Now they want to make sure that those people can't get a gun anymore. But Trump now is talking about signing these red flag laws, right? He's talking about making it essentially so that the government will get to give you an unwarranted, an undesired psychological evaluation. And a lot of times these things will be put into process by, let's say a family member, it could even be, a girlfriend or boyfriend or a close friend. And essentially what happens is that it frees it up so that they can suspend your ability to get a gun or I guess permanently take it away pending some sort of psychological evaluation where they're find, And now there's different states that have a couple of these on the books already, but they find that there is, quote, a sustained risk to either your person or another person, something like that. They all have different language, right? It's all very vague. It's all very open-ended. Thus, I don't know, good luck if somebody reports you on getting your guns back anytime soon. And again, none of these people had any of these problems. So even if you had red flag laws in place, even if you had a ban on buying guns at a gun show, it still wouldn't have helped. These people had clean records. They had no backgrounds that that had evidence of psychological trauma or anything like that. Uh Well, I should I shouldn't say because I said a lot of these shooters did have some incident of psychological trauma, but again, nothing that would show up in a psychological test. Nothing like that. They they went in and they had some sort of uh forced committal, or that they're known to be uh, you know, psych- psychotic behavior, or they're schizophrenics, anything like that. So these. These red flags laws basically just harm everybody else that is a law-abiding citizen. All right, I want to wrap this up. God, I mean, I swear to God, I meant to do ten minutes on this, and I'm already thirty-five minutes in. One last thing I want to say, just again, I got these pathetic politicians, Beattie O'Rourke, top of my list of real just total douche mongers. But he said that he would support or not be opposed to a mandatory buyback, thus having the government. Go door-to-door making, I don't know, I'm going to somebody guess uh, 100 million Americans, maybe. Maybe not a third of them own an AK-style gun or a quote-unquote assault weapon. Again, another amorphous phrase that can mean also just about anything. But Bader O'Rourke does not oppose that when they asked him. He would be before that. So going door-to-door, forcing you to turn over your guns and giving you money for them. If you want a civil war in America, this is how you get it. This is how you get it. You want to see some mass shootings? Going door to door and trying to force people to give your guns to you? That's how you get it. All right, let's take a break. We'll be back with some lighter fare. We don't rise to the level of our expectations. We fall to the level of our training. Those epic words from Archilochus can sum up your ability to succeed or fail in business. train to win visit conversation and take advantage of a three 15 minute consultation just for listeners of the show all right welcome back to electric liberty land episode number 136 show notes liberty.com forward slash ell136 uh you know one thing i'll throw just a little tag on the end of that so donald trump less libertarian by the second guys um He's, again, considering these red flag laws, and I will say, uh, the good and the bad of Trump, I actually give the man credit for, you know, he's not a guy that's specifically tied dogmatically to many things. You know, obviously tariffs are one of them. Stupidest goddamn thing you can be tied to. But he's shown that it doesn't really give that much of a damn about which side of the political divide he falls on in some of his decision-making. And... The fact that he is saying, okay, I'll consider these red flag laws as a kind of a compromise on what the Democrats want to do with the Second Amendment, while I despise it, and I do not think that it is a good idea in any way, shape, or form, I do appreciate the fact that he is open-minded enough to say, okay, you know what, even though it's going to be a big political win for my opponents, I want to solve the problem. And that much I do respect uh, he's just completely goddamn wrong about the way to do it. As are all of these Democrats. Ay, ay, yeah. All right. I don't wanna I don't really want to talk anymore about this. I could go on and on about gun stats and open carry laws and how they dropped the number of homicides in the region and, and all that good stuff, but I'm just gonna move on. All right. How about we talk about uh, let's get into the Cuba travel ban. So, in a shocking turn of events, Congress has finally challenged the congressional ban on... or I'm sorry, not the congressional ban. Finally challenged the ban on traveling to Cuba. Now, of course, Barack Obama had lifted that restriction at one point and was met with opposition by Ted Cruz, of all people. Severus Snape of Congress steps in there. You won't be traveling to Cuba, Mr. Potter. God, Ted Cruz is a weasel. Old Teddy Cruz stepping up and really cracking down on traveling to Cuba, even though it seems to me like it would be unconstitutional to ban people from traveling freely of their own accord, being citizens, free citizens that are not detained, that are not under arrest, that have not been put on some sort of terrorist watch list from leaving a country and voluntarily traveling to another country that is willing to take them in. I don't know how that could possibly be put on the books. I don't know how any travel ban can be put on the books, making sure an American citizen cannot freely travel to another country. And it's the only one. How is it possible? It's the only one, right? Did you know that? Yeah, it's the only one. Does Trump rescind Obama's kind of workaround allowing tourists or something like that? Obama redefined some phrase while not simply removing the ban, you know, like somebody that wasn't a coward would do. But Trump said, no, 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 no travel to to Cuba. So, something like, you know, uh, tourism to Cuba is expected to plummet in half. But it's the only country that you cannot visit. You can go to North Korea if you like. You can go to Afghanistan if you like. You can go to Iran if you like. But not Cuba. A country who we currently aren't bombing. I know, did you know that? (laughs) One of the very few countries we're not bombing, although God knows how many people we have, you know, how many Navy SEALs are over there are still plotting to take down one of the Castros. And you can travel to any number of the war-torn countries which America has destroyed and are currently in an undeclared war with. You can even go to Yemen and catch cholera. But you can't go to Cuba. So anyway, good to see a bill finally taken this on. Whether it'll pass or not, I don't know. But of course, this comes on the heels of that massive spending bill that they just passed, you know, something like $2 trillion more trillion that they've tacked on there. So good job, Congress, in standing up for Americans' right to travel to Cuba. Not saying it's a bad thing, but nah, you might want to address some of the larger issues too. Uh, speaking of larger issues, why don't we talk a little bit about Mario Lopez and the very large and looming issue of trans rights, or specifically the right to give your kid a hormone that's going to stop them from entering puberty, essentially stopping their tracks, their development as a certain gender. Stop it right there. As young as the age of three. Because Mario Lopez was on, I guess, an interview with Candace Owens for uh, her radio show for PragerU, which I didn't even know existed, but this is back in June. However, just really blew up last week. But Mario Lopez is a radio host. I think he's... He was on Extra for a very long time. I don't know if he still is, but honestly, having met Mario Lopez, I'll tell you, very nice guy, very sweet guy who was involved with a, a charity that I had uh, worked with doing PR, or I do work with doing PR. Sweet guy, tons of charity work, just as a, a caring individual, caring father, really cares about kids. So he goes on the show, and Candace Owens brings up the, quote, weird trend out of Hollywood where celebrities are raising their kids genderless or allowing them to, quote, pick their gender. Uh, she called it a kind of narcissism, narcissism among Hollywood parents, which I completely agree with. Seeing who'd be the most tolerant, so she says, "quote I'm trying to understand this new Hollywood mentality where they just think their children have the mental authority and clarity to identify as transgender." To which Mario Lopez replied, "I'm trying to understand it myself, and please don't l- lump me into that I'm kind of blown away too." So saying, he doesn't really get people trying to give their kid a new gender at age three. And here's his quote, right? And this is what people went absolutely bonkers on him on Twitter, right? Calling him uh, just all sorts of names and also in the most deceptive headline ever. You're going to hear this following quote. Every mainstream leftist publication, Yahoo News, Newsweek, uh, obviously CNN, Washington Post ran with the same headline, which was then Mario Lopez says it's, quote, dangerous, to raise transgender kids, right? That is the exact quote that these people use to run with. But here's, the, here's what he actually said. i have never wanted to tell anyone how to parent their kids, obviously. And I think if you come from a place of love, you really can't go wrong. But at the same time, my God, if you're three years old and you're saying you're feeling a certain way, or you think you're a boy or a girl, whatever the case may be, I just think it's dangerous as a parent to make that determination. Then, well, okay, then you're going to be a boy or a girl, whatever the case may be. It's sort of alarming, and my gosh, (laughs) my gosh, my gosh, God, Mario, and my gosh, I just think about the repercussions later on. You don't know anything about sexuality yet. You're just a kid. I think people, I think parents need to allow their kids to just be kids, but at the same time, you got to be the adult into into the situation. So he's basically saying that these are the formative years, right? And that kids don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're saying. Uh, which I completely agree with, and that it's not, you know, this is where this is so disingenuous to say that he said it was dangerous to raise transgender kids, because let's read the exact quote again. It's dangerous as a parent to make that determination then. And he's talking specifically about children at the age of three trying to say, I'm a boy or I'm a girl without knowing. Honestly, they probably don't even know what a boy or a girl is at that point. If we're being completely honest with ourselves, right? Think about your own past. And if you are, and let me say this, by the way, if you're transgender, good, I do not care at all. Not in the slightest. Be transgender. But there is a real issue when you get into, like I said, kids, think about your past. Think about how old you were when you actually realized what it was to be male or female. Or, I don't know, some non-binary, non-sexual cat person, whatever you might be, whatever floats your boat. But think about how old you were when that realization came. And now, of course, some people mature earlier or have a realization earlier than others. But for me, I mean, I don't know, six, seven, eight, nine, t- I, I honestly can't put a an exact time on it where I said, okay, I am a boy and this is what manhood is. I think probably it's, you know, I would say eight to 10, if that, maybe even later, maybe 12. I mean, when do you actually understand what your body is, what it does? When do you actually get erect? When do you start finding that you're attractive to uh, the opposite sex or not? When do you decide, you know, when do you figure out what, what malehood is, what manliness is? Or femininity is. How do you determine that? The one thing I can tell you, though, is it's not at the age of three. And to say that children know for a fact that they are one gender or the other, and that by that definition and their confidence, which again, a lot of kids play that confidence off of their parents. So they might pick up on what your wanting for them, what you want them to be. And that's where this this does come become a problem with people being so woke and so encouraging. And and this even comes to play with a lot of psychologists who are now too terrified. And this is I was listening to I think the Rubin report and maybe even a, a Quillette interview on this. But psychologists, child psychologists coming out and saying, look, I'm terrified. Um, you know, I, I know other doctors are terrified to talk about this. They're terrified to say, look, your kid's not transgender. Your kid's just young and doesn't know what the kid's talking about. You know, a child's just experimenting. You don't know what this, guy, what this kid actually wants. This kid might just be gay and then grow up to be a very happy gay man, as many, many gay men do. And it doesn't mean that they need to have a sex change or have their hormones blocked off so that they will never hit puberty starting at the age of three. And so what Mario Lopez said is a completely coherent, completely logical point of view that does not infringe on anyone's right to be a parent and how they want to do. He even goes out of his way to say, I'm not trying to tell you how to parent your kids. And he says, if you come from a place of love, you can't go wrong. So he is, if anything, giving any parent that says, oh, you know what, my kid's transgender at age two and I'm going to raise them too. He may not agree with that, but the man should be allowed to logically voice his concern that while you might be, you know, loving your kid and think that's the right thing for your kid, take a little bit of a step back and kind of take in the full picture there and say, you know, maybe this kid doesn't know yet what is good what what they, what they want or even know that they're not a panda bear living in a forest. So to see the mob go after him was one of the most despicable and disgusting things that I've ever witnessed. And... Again, guys, we're seeing a real breakdown in culture. We're seeing you know, mobs threatening, physically threatening violence, trying to trying to you know, deprive this man of his job, deprive this man of his money, paint him as a, some sort of hate filled monster, all because he dared to disagree with a worldview in a logical, straightforward manner, coming from a place of concern and caring. Just absolutely sickening. All right, let's talk about another idiotic story. How about this one? How about CNN's article where they did a uh, they a study that went on. And naturally, this took place in uh, super woke New Zealand about robots and racism. And the study was undertaken by the Human Interface Technology Laboratory and published at the University of Canterbury. And the study suggested that people perceive physically human-like robots to have a race and therefore apply racial stereotypes to black and white robots. (laughs) So, apparently, you have the same bias against black robots as you do against black people. And I guess that means, what, if a black robot's walking down the street, you cross the street to avoid the black robot. Meanwhile, I'm not sure how exactly they did this study because... There's a reason most robots are a certain color, and that's white. And they 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 even went so far in the study, by the way, to say that uh, that they're worried about a world in which robots working in Africa uh, are black or happen to be white, and they take over a, a role of authority in that case. Oh, well, well, clearly, white supremacy plays a role here because the robots are white. Uh, you know, they're not just machines. They represent humans. That, this is actually... This is actually a quote. Oh, shit. Okay, wait a minute. This is a quote from uh, from this guy Bartneck who did this study. Imagine a world in which Barbie dolls are white. Imagine a world in which the robots working in Africa or India are white. Further imagine that these robots take over roles that involve authority. Clearly, this would raise concerns about imperialism and white supremacy. Robots are not just machines. They represent humans. <laughs> Okay, so they did a study like putting skin on robots, too, and they said, oh, well, that means that, you know, they people were were racist against the robots because of the skin color. Okay. Fine. If you want to make sure, if you want to make robots look uh, like, like people and put skin over them, then, I don't know, maybe you could have some people that are racist towards those robots because of their own biases. I'm sure there are people out there that will be racist against those robots because, again, there's freaking crazy people everywhere. I mean, hell, Andrew Yang's racist against robots right now. He thinks they're coming to take your gerbs. Who flips your burgers now, white man? But as a whole, you're telling me that if you have robots, which by the way are going to be de facto white or light gray because of the cooling factor, you don't have black robots walking around because they get hot in the sun uh, or you just probably just for uh, civil... Well, actually, maybe you'd have like factories black robots, but I don't know. Why would you consider that to be some sort of class indicator And if anything, so we made a very good point in our Alliance of Liberty Forum about this. If anything, this study saying that white robots are more popular would actually be flipped on its head because robots are slaves. So if you were racist, right, you would want your robots to be black, not white. So why are there so many white robots then? Because if you're saying like CNN saying, oh, Our robots should all be black, and you're racist for wanting white robots to do your slave labor. Isn't that the most racist thing possible? You're arguing that black robots should be the slaves? That is incredibly racist, CNN. You are the robot racist, sir. You are the robot racist. (laughs) So ridiculous. Why would you even do that study? All right, and the last thing, guys. And that's that. It. It's just speaking of uh, of black robots. Barack Obama, uh, not making a slave reference there, by the way. I don't want things to be re- misconstrued, but I do call him a uh, a black robot because of his monotone way of speaking and the fact that he basically went in and performed the robotic duties of an establishment shill of a president, and of course, also was deeply tied in with that whole spying network. So I think probably he was, in fact, a robot, which is how he got that whole PRISM system working so well, spying on all of our data. But all the poor old mainstream media are now saying, stay away from Barack Obama, guys. Because, you know, he got criticized rightly by all these Democratic candidates during the debates. You know, for things like, being real crappy on war, or things like, you know, for them not going far enough with Medicare, uh, about for uh, spying domestically. Of course, he got hit on that. He got hit on a lot of different things. And of course, Joe Biden's in there because Joe, Joe Biden's trying to defend the legacy. But all these people are criticizing Obama and the media, and the leftist establishment. They can't have that. They got to maintain this facade, this illusion that Obama was somehow a great president, despite all of the scandals. I've asked him on the show before, but drug running, domestic spying, uh, suspension of habeas corpus, lying to the public about pretty much everything, lying about medical care and Obamacare, continuing the wars, continuing to uh, expand wars in countries without even knowing and telling anybody and notifying Congress. How about dropping more bombs on Americans than any previous past uh, president had and murdering them? I mean, I, like the list goes on and on and on and on about this president, how much of a total lying sack of warmongering garbage he was. But yet now you got the mainstream media and the left. Just he's untouchable hands off Barack guys. Well, you know what? I'm excited to see if these, uh, these current crop continue to attack him to take down Joe Biden, because as long as Joe Biden stays in the front, he stays in the crosshairs. And as long as he, as long as he's in the crosshairs, good old Obama's reputation is going to keep taking shots, man. So I love me some of that. All right, that's going to do it. want to remind you guys to check out our other shows on the podcast. Mark Claire Monday with the flagship show, the Lions of Liberty podcast, interviewing leaders in the libertarian movement. And of course, John Odermatt on Fridays with Felony Fridays, looking at the issues within the ironically named justice system. And by the way, check out guys, Felony Friday now has its own separate feed and also uh, its own separate webpage. So make sure to like that. Go to Felony Friday, Uh, make make sure you're a part of that group. And also subscribe to the Felony Friday feed. John's going to be rolling out all of the episodes in addition to the new ones starting there. So you can listen to all of that in a straightforward feed, which is also a great one to share with your friends because it is... Well, it's got a little bit of a libertarian bent to it. Of course, it is pretty much straightforward, fairly apolitical, talking about how we are going to reform criminal justice, how we are going to help the people in jail for nonviolent crimes, for use of marijuana, for every, everything running the gamut of just like atrocious crimes committed by the government on American citizens and how this system is rigged against us. So listen to it, subscribe to it, share the podcast. So I said at the top of the show, you scumbags, you probably skipped it. Share the podcast. Tell a friend. That's it. For me, Brian McWilliams, from the Lions of Liberty, from Electric Liberty Land, always stay plugged into liberty. Now let the sweet sounds of the triggering and the points of privilege from the Democratic Socialist of America Convention take you into that sweet, sweet night. If we want to defeat capitalism, we are going to need a party that will organize working people to fight for the demands that we want and to win socialism. Thank you so much. Right, right uh, quick time. point of privilege. Quick um, point of personal privilege. Yes. Um, guys, uh, first of all, James Jackson, Sacramento, he, him. I just want to say, can we please keep the chatter to a minimum? I'm one of the people who's very, very prone to sensory overload. There's a lot of whispering and chatter going on. It's making it very difficult for me to focus. Please, can we just, I know it's, we're all fresh and ready to go, but can we please just keep the chatter to a minimum? It's affecting my ability to focus. Thank you. Thank you, comrade. Okay, is there a speaker against, name, Point of chapter, pronoun? Point of personal privilege. Yes. Please do not use gendered language to, to address everyone.